Welcome to the podcast for the First United Methodist Church, located in Round Rock, Texas. This week, Pastor Brad Britton talks to us about one of God's many unspoken gifts, the gift of tears. Pastor Britton shows us through the death of Lazarus how Jesus wept and how tears can be a direct translation of God's love. Tears have been given to us by God as a gift. Have you ever thought of your tears as gifts? For they help express what we can't express with words. That's a beautiful thing to have someone that loves you so much they will weep for you and will empathize with you so closely that that you can't even comprehend it. I can't imagine that on the cross that the agony that Christ suffered for us that a good part of that was would not have been tears. Not only for the physical pain but maybe tears at what he was leaving behind and seeing. Thinking to himself, I wish they would realize how much I love them and that they can love each other too. What more can I do? Where do you go after you realize that God loves you so much that not even death can separate you from the love of God in Christ? Where do you go and what do you do? God, help us to hear a word of hope and grace and love and what you say to us and through us. May it make a real difference in how we live our lives and treat others. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So what makes people cry? What is it that makes us cry? It could be the birth of a child. It could be the loss that we experience in life. Maybe it's the loss of relationships. It's uh, the loss of community, the loss of a loved one. It could be your NCAA bracket. By the way, any Longhorn fans here today by a show of, we do have some, so it would be extremely shallow to take space in a worship service to pray for, for a basketball team and to get up here and to pray that Texas would win, and I am just not going to go to that level. But we could perhaps do a little prayer that Miami plays really poorly, maybe, is that... Is that appropriate? Is that, is that okay? Now, we, we cry at lots of things. Uh, tears have been given to us by God as a gift. Have you ever thought of your tears as gifts? For they help express what we can't express with words. And, and sometimes tears catch you off guard. Have you ever... You ever been caught off guard by a tear? I have a friend that was telling me about a funeral service she attended years ago. A friend of hers that she used to work with, and uh, this guy retired and, and was just trying to figure out his purpose. What am I going to do in life now that I'm not working? And uh, interesting guy, he, as a high schooler, was out playing golf one day in West Texas with his dad, and they only had two golf balls. Now, that lasts me about one hole, maybe had two golf balls, and so he hit his off to the right into some weeds and high grass and had the bright idea to find the ball just to burn the grass. So he ended up burning down the golf course, actually. Uh, <laughs> don't do that. And so she's at his funeral, and of course, a lot of people there for this, this individual. And after he retired, he found purpose 
in reading to second graders. That is such an important thing to go into classrooms and help one-on-one -on -one students learning to read. And so at the service, the second grade teacher and her class was there at his funeral. Can you imagine? And at one point in the funeral service, the teacher got up and presented a notebook to this man's widow. And it had letters and pictures from the second graders about what it meant to them. There wasn't a dry eye in the house. Tears. You know, Jesus even cried. Uh, the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. It's at least the shortest in English. Uh, Jesus wept. So if you ever get tasked with memorizing Scripture in some group, just go for John eleven, thirty-five. 35. Jesus wept. You'll win the contest. So what makes Jesus cry? Well, in our story today, He cries. Uh, he had received word that His good friend Lazarus was seriously ill. Uh, it was the brother of Mary and Martha, who Jesus was extremely close with. And, and you have those friends, don't you? Those people in your life that that been with you through thick and thin, and you don't have to say a word, just being in the presence of one another is enough. I, I guess you could say they just kind of get you. A few years ago, our youngest son, Andrew, texted us from his living uh, his bedroom. We were in the house. You know, it would have been crazy to physically get up and walk through a living room and talk. But he sent us this text, said, uh, hey, I've been watching a show on Netflix I think y'all would like. It's about a guy that owns a bar in Boston. And I said, <laughs> and of course, I'm a moron. I texted him back. I mean, we're 20 feet apart. Cheers? Question mark. Yeah, have you heard of it? And then I just said where the whole house could hear, Norm! Right? Remember Norm from Cheers? What did everybody in the bar say? I mean, you're going to do it on the count of three. You ready? On the count of three, you're going to do what they did at Cheers when Norm walked in. One, two, three. Wow, that was good. <laughs> we should do that on Easter. No, maybe not. Norm, and, and what does that symbol? That means Norm, with all his quirks and everybody else's quirks, is one of us and is accepted and is a friend. That's Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and Jesus. It was his comfort place, and he had few well, they send word that Lazarus is seriously ill. So what does Jesus do? Does he rush off to see Lazarus? Nope. Takes a couple of days before he even heads that way. Gets in a conversation with the disciples about how Lazarus is asleep and I'm going to wake him up. Now, Jesus was speaking of Lazarus's death. And the disciples questioned him. They said, well, if he's asleep, there's no need to rush over there. I mean, they tried to kill you last time we were over there. You want to go back? And he said, look, Lazarus is dead. 
He is as dead as dead can be. And I'm going to wake him up. Well, they head that way, and he arrives, and Martha comes out to meet him. And Martha meets him, and what do you think Martha says? Uh, she says, Lord, if you'd have been here, he would not have died. If you'd have been here, he would not have died. you ever say that to God about things in your life? God, why didn't you prevent this from happening? God, if you'd been here, that wouldn't have happened. And so she's expressing the normal human emotion of grief and all that comes with grief, anger, sadness, doubt, denial, all of it. All in that one, Lord, if you'd been here, this wouldn't have happened. But then the second part of her statement was, but I know that God will give you the ability to do what you have come to do. And so there's a trust. You know, real friends will tell you the truth. Even if you don't want to hear it, you ever hear a, a word of truth from a friend? And you know it's the truth. But you're safe enough and you trust each other enough to know that no matter what I say to you, it will never affect our relationship because I love you and well, Mary comes out next, and what does Mary say to Jesus? Lord, if you'd been here, our brother would not have died. And Jesus is probably thinking to himself, thank you, I realize that. Your sister just told me, but I appreciate you chiming in. And she did the same thing. The second part of her statement was, but I know that God will give you what you need. And then they make their way to the, to the grave. Now, it said that he'd been dead four days. There was a belief uh, in certain Jewish communities at that time that, that when you die, your soul hovers around your body for three days, just waiting to see if he can get back in, which isn't that, that's an interesting concept. I think my soul would be like, nope, I'm out of here. <laughs> uh, so the four days, and, and why John has that number of four, is to say to the reader, to the listener, especially at that time, Lazarus is as dead as dead can be. Make no mistake about it, he is dead. And in these carved out tombs, they would often have three bodies on the left side in the wall, three bodies on the right side, and then on the back wall you'd have a body or two in, in this setup. And so that's where Jesus is headed to raise Lazarus from the dead. And he begins to weep. Now that is interesting, isn't it? Why is Jesus crying at this point? I mean, he knows what he's going to do, so he can't be crying about the fact that Lazarus is dead. Jesus knows that that's not the end for any of us, physical death. Why is he weeping? Well, there's this divine human nature of Jesus, and the human side of Jesus had such compassion for those that were mourning, perhaps, that he just couldn't help but cry, knowing that they don't know what he knows and what he's about to do. They have no idea. 
Another reason he might be crying is he's just so disturbed that this is the way the world is, that there's pain and there's suffering, that there's injustice in the world. And he, he just weeps at what he sees. He, he can't help but weep. What makes Jesus cry? Will Willeman is a pastor and preached a sermon once called What Makes Preachers Cry? And he told a story of what happened uh, at Balkum Street United Methodist Church in Greenville, South Carolina years and years ago. Willeman was in junior high and he was a, a representative on the administrative board of the church and was at a meeting and they were talking about uh, Billy Graham revival that was coming to Greenville. And the pastor, Dr. DeBose, at the meeting was talking about how fun it was working with the other pastors in town to, to see if this is something our church would want to be a part of. And uh, one of the members in the board meeting said, kind of a dissenting voice said, no, no, this is just the Baptist trying to get a leg up on us. Let's think about this a minute. Then another one said, you do know that at these Graham revivals, there's no separation of the races. And then they shut it down. Well, maybe we don't need to participate. The meeting ended in Willimon, still a, this junior high student is walking down the hallway experiencing what he just experienced, about to get on a legally segregated bus. And as he's walking down the hall, he looks and he sees a door half open and the light on and he hears something from inside. So he walks over and peeks his head inside the door and there in that office alone is the pastor, Dr. DuBose, with his head in his hands, sobbing. And Willimon said, I thank God today that as a student at that age, I, I was able to see what makes preachers cry. Tears, they, they, they have a way of sneaking up on us. Jesus had wiped the tears from his eyes. He's arrived at the tomb where Lazarus is buried and he doesn't go in or anything he just says the word Lazarus come out he said it probably way better than me but Lazarus come on out and I, I gotta think Lazarus at this point just imagine somebody knocks on his door in heaven uh, Lazarus uh, you see there's a, a thing uh, me yeah you um, I was going to play eight, another 18 today. You know, it's beautiful up here, and tomorrow I'm fishing. And Lazarus, Jesus needs you back downstairs. What? He speaks the word, and then out walks Lazarus. And the story says that he had uh, grave cloth wrapped around him. And so just picture this disheveled, mummy-looking figure. He, he comes out. And as he opens his eyes, he has to be uh, terribly confused. I mean, can you imagine? 
And he looks, and there he is, his friend Jesus, only this time he's crying again, maybe. <laughs> what just happened? It's a beautiful thing to have someone that loves you so much they will weep for you and will empathize with you so closely that, that you can't even comprehend it. How many of you have heard of Sir Nicholas Winton? Anybody? Sir Nicholas Winton. In 1938, he went to Czechoslovakia to help a friend. Uh, Winton was uh, from Britain, and there was a group of Jewish children from Czechoslovakia that were in danger of being transported through the Nazi occupation and concentration camps, and he went over there to help comprise a list of these Jewish children to help get them transported safely to Britain to, to homes. Uh, he's been called the British Schindler. And in 1988, 50 years after this, 1988, someone found a scrapbook in an attic. They opened the scrapbook and it had all the names of these children and information. And so there came to light to the world what this man had done. No one had known before. So a British TV station and program decided to do a story on it, and they invited Sir Nicholas to the show, along with many of the people that he literally saved. They're adults, obviously, at this time. And they're all gathered there, much like this here. Winton is sitting on the front with his wife, and the person conducting the show, says what is happening, and much to his surprise, all these people around him were those from the list. And the lady sitting next to him, who was one of those that was saved, they revealed there that she was sitting next to him. She didn't know that. <laughs> you imagine? And then they said something really interesting. They said, if you owe your life to this man, if if you're one of the ones that were saved because of what he did with the list, would you please stand? And they stood up around him. And what do you think he did? He cried. What do you think they did? They cried. No tears, they just say so much. I... I can't imagine that on the cross that the agony that Christ suffered for us, that a good part of that was, would not have been tears. Tears not only for the physical pain, but maybe tears at what He was leaving behind and seeing. Thinking to Himself, I wish they would realize how much I love them. And that they can love each other too. What more can I do? You know, uh, before he went to Jerusalem, what we will 
<clears throat> recognized next week as Palm Sunday. Guess whose house he went to before he went? Martha and Mary. And they're having dinner. This is after Lazarus has been raised from the dead. They're having dinner, and Lazarus is at the table. Wouldn't you love to be a fly on the wall for that one? You know, they, they start off the dinner conversation like a lot of us do with small talk. So, Lazarus, how's your bracket doing? Yeah, mine too. How about this weather? It's beautiful. So, how'd you like that resurrection? What are you going to do, Lazarus, with the rest of your life? I can imagine him asking. Because you know when the story ended, that Lazarus came out of the tomb and they're standing there. And you know what Jesus said to the others? He said, unbind him and let him go. Where do you go after you've realize that God loves you so much that not even death can separate you from the love of God in Christ. Where do you go? And what do you do? My wife's a teacher. I know we have some teachers here, and, and you wouldn't admit this publicly, but you know it's true. There's that one or two kids maybe in your class where if they transferred out, you would you'd do backflips down the hall, wouldn't you? I usually know those students' names by about, I don't know, August 20th. And I know them very well throughout the year. It's like, let's go ahead and put them on the refrigerator and put a picture up, you know. Well, she had one of these students once, and it, it's, it's heartbreaking, really. This child had been abused at home and was sent to live with another family member, and just, the, just all that goes with that, elementary school age. And it turned out he was moving. And so the last day, you know what he did? He came up and gave her a hug, and he said, I love you. And I'm going to miss you. What he was really saying was, thank you for loving me in spite. And so if Jesus Christ called you out of a grave and you were to come forward to meet him and no doubt there'd be tears in your eyes and his I think you and I might just do the same thing. Only with Jesus, it's not I love you and I'm going to miss you. It would be I love you and I'll see you again. Amen. Let's pray. God, we have much to be thankful for. Let alone the fact that you have loved us so much through your grace and love. That all it requires is a simple yes from us. 
And so unbind us today from whatever it is that keeps us from you and for serving you and loving others. Unbind us from whatever that is in our lives. And give us the courage to live and grow as those who believe in a God that loves us so much that he would weep for us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon series podcast from First United Methodist Church of Round Rock, Texas. For more information, you can find us online at fumc-rr.org or find us on social media at fumcrr.org.